1: Good morning!
2: Wrestling Inc. Wakey, wakey, get it going. It is Tuesday. It is time for the first Winkly of the week. It is me, your host here, the managing editor at Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, joined as I am every Tuesday, well, nearly every Tuesday, for the Winkley. It is our good friend, Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly. It
3: was, it was probably, you know, I wouldn't say it's your best entrance we've had so far, but I would give it a, a, a solid B+. Plus. It was pretty good. I
2: I'm i in a good mood, and I'm getting up early. Now, you wanted to start off the show with this for some weird reason, because I told you my girlfriend has a new job where she gets up early. So now I'm an early morning person. I'm up at like 6.30 every day now. Uh, a lot of time to prep for the show, drink coffee. <clears throat> good. Feel good.
3: Well, well I, I think it's funny. I was literally thinking about this on my drive back to my house to talk about the podcast today. And that is getting up early, right? So listen, Nick, we're journalists. I, I think our responsibility here is to entertain, right? You want to listen to a podcast for it to be fun. But also, as journalists, we have a responsibility to inform the people. And I just think it's worth throwing out there. I've learned that if you can get up early and go to the gym, right? Say like 6.30-ish time frame, it's the golden hour where all of the people, like the actual weightlifters, aren't bothering you, right? You can kind of get in there and do your thing without being bothered by the real serious ones. So, so just life advice to people. Listen, y'all, get up and go to the gym early. But the second piece of that is do not, under any circumstance, eat Walmart-branded, protein bars
2: okay i don't do that i i I don't do that i do (laughs) they
3: are terrible they're like the equate brand i don't know what i was thinking they are all they are garbage
2: well it is uh the week before wrestlemania and i know this is the way everyone wanted us to start the show (laughs) and you know what to be fair if there's wrestlers and i know there's wrestlers that are listening to this right now they're probably appreciating this conversation they're like good give more health tips to the people that's what a real wrestling show does keeps your mind sharp keeps your body sharp
3: that's good. I'm ready for the podcast. What I meant by all that is, listen, I got up early. I went to the gym, ate a terrible protein bar, and I am pumped for this podcast today here on a Tuesday back in my normal my normal spot, Nick.
2: Wonderful. All right. Well, we got a, a lot to get to here with the first episode of the week. Uh, I will say later in the show, two big interviews here to start the week off. The first up. Uh, the first interview we're going to play here later in the show is going to be from Sam Adonis. Now, Sam Adonis, uh, one of the most popular heels in all of Mexico. He's picked up a lot of press from Reuters, CNN. He's the wrestler who comes out and waves an American flag that is superimposed with Donald Trump's head uh, down at CMLL in Mexico. So uh, we talk all about his decision to do that, how he came to, to the doing what he does and the precarious situations that's got him into uh, but he is also the brother of Corey graves he is Corey graves younger brother so you get a fair amount of talking about getting heat in mexico uh by doing the gimmick that he does but you also are going to get to hear some stories about growing up with Corey graves and his thoughts on how we the media cover his brother can't wait to talk can't wait for you guys to hear this uh also here uh later in the show after the sam interview we got a great follow-up Buff the stuff. Marcus Bagwell is going to be on the show here. I'm not kidding you. This is going to be a really fun show, guys. So strap in. Listen to the whole thing. Sam Adonis, Buff Bagwell later here in the show. But right now, it's me and Michael with some news you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. And we're going to start off with all of the WrestleMania news here from the past five days. The big news, of course, about WrestleMania, it is official now. WWE has announced that the women's triple threat for the WWE Raw championship between Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch is going to headline WrestleMania. PW Insider is reporting that the decision came down to the wire between this and the Universal title match, uh, but obviously the women uh, won out here. Also on that note, PW uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet has announced that uh, WWE has offered Becky Lynch a new multi-year contract that is going to see her getting a pay raise so michael what's your take here on the decision to, to actually let the women close out wrestlemania 35 this year
3: I, I think it's awesome that wwe went ahead and said and announced it and said we're going to do this and let everybody know right it's a big freaking deal and instead of it being this thing we're up to the day of mania we're wondering we're guessing what's the order of the card going to be yeah are they actually going to pull the trigger here i think it's great now being the contrarian i am sometimes My comment yesterday when this first came out was awesome for women. It's a big freaking deal. It's newsworthy, historic, and all of that jazz. But right now... The story to me that feels like it goes in that main event spot, and, and last night changed my opinion a little bit, but in general, the Daniel Bryan-Kofi Kingston saga and Kofi Kingston potentially overcoming Daniel Bryan to win that WWE championship just feels a little bit bigger and more main event-ish to me right. than this triple threat has down the stretch. But again, newsworthy because of the women taking the spot. You know what, I would agree with you,
2: but they are, they're, they're simplifying this a bit. I thought the women last night on Raw did exactly what they needed to do in this position, all three of them. Looked like badasses. There was energy and intensity there. Uh, no, but I mean, Ronda got heat. Becky was cheered. Charlotte Flair made her case. I don't think you could have presented those three any better uh, considering the momentum they have than, than what they did on Raw last night.
3: Absolutely agree. And that's why I said my opinions change, right? You streamline the storytelling here. Yeah. Simple is better in wrestling many times. And so after last night, it feels like their focus is on the championship and the main events. So that's good. It's interesting, though, because
2: they don't t- typically announce what's going to close the show, right? It's usually a guessing game. Am I am I am I? Yes. The myself? only other
3: time I remember them doing this is I'm pretty sure they announced an advanced the Hell in a Cell where the women main evented their first ever pay-per-view about 2 years back.
2: But, okay, but I'm I, talking a WrestleMania, like a WrestleMania. Yes. They don't they, they don't announce the the actual closing match here, do they? I can't think Typically of kind of...
3: they don't. They they typically call things main event matches or right. the championship or whatever else, but they they don't typically say this is going on last.
2: Okay. Okay, cool. I mean and I just think that's awesome again. I think you're right. They should make a big deal about that. Let's not have a lot of guessing. Let's let's get this energy going behind the women right now, but It does kind of create a bit of a pecking order now, right? I mean, you know, before it was the two men's titles, either one of them could make their case for what should close Mania. Now I got to think you couldn't, you got to throw both women's titles into that mix too. So if you had to tier them, like all four of the major titles in WWE, I think it goes WWE Raw, Universal, um, WWE Championship, and then Asuka's in that fourth slot and hasn't gotten near the attention of the other three bouts.
3: Yeah, the problem with it, though, is I think you're exactly right. The Women's SmackDown Championship doesn't mean jack squat right now. and Unfortunately, that's hurting Asuka the most. She's a fantastic talent. Yeah, but... I again, I think here the decision here that Brock Lesnar and, and Seth Rollins is a bigger deal than Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan when there's nothing going on with that. I know we had the segment last night with him and and Paul Heyman, but there's not been anything going on with that for so many weeks now. It feels absent, and the focus to me with Vince McMahon involved, that WWE Championship is the thing I would put in as the co-main event of this WrestleMania. But okay, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit old school here. So what do I know? What do yeah. I know?
2: So you'd put Kofi Kofi and Bryan in between Lesnar brock and and the women's main event
3: well you could also look at it like this right that that seth rollins daniel bryan match or seth rollins uh, brock lesnar excuse me match is going to be a lot more of a big like let's just fight it out big brawling probably shorter high energy i think that could be a fun counterpoint to the maybe the women's match has a little bit more wrestling the kofi kingston daniel bryan match has got to go longer it's got to be a little bit more old school from the way they build the match the way they they fight each other so how you want to balance those out with the crowd energy is really gonna dictate that match order. But bigger deal, WWE championship just feels bigger right now to me.
2: I feel like this is definitely a step in the it's a big step in the right direction, but it does kind of uh, ring true in my head when they would talk about how, you know, on Raw you couldn't have more than one women's storyline going on at a time. You know, I don't understand the idea of like, well, let's not make as big of a deal of Asuka because the other women, you know, might get less attention. That doesn't seem to be the thing they do for the men. You know what I mean? So yeah. like I, I wonder I wonder. You know, you had Asuka beat these uh, two, both of them, shortly before WrestleMania here. She had momentum. She had a case to be made. There's a story you could have told. I, I, I don't understand the idea of lagging on Asuka here just because you've got another women's match, if that is the
3: case, you know, but it does seem well, a, a it, bit. and let's be fair here, Nick. They, they also do have the, and I forget this, which is why I say this, they have the, the women's tag team division now too, and they are putting extra emphasis on that, announcing a, a multi-person match there. So they are giving at least some credence to other big talents like Bailey and and Sasha Banks and all that jazz. So, they're not completely ignoring the women's division, but, yeah, I think you're right. You could do so much more with Asuka and that SmackDown Women's Championship.
2: Uh, we'll switch gears here a bit uh, to the the event they do every year the night before WrestleMania. I love how all of a sudden it's become that because it's been taken Every year. Never last year. That's and what, the year before. Yeah, that's what they said in the commercial or whatever. It's what Michael <laughs> Cole said on Monday Night Raw. Anyway, uh, WWE Hall of Fame uh, 2019 class will be joined by Bret Hart and Jim the Knight Hart officially. Uh, This has been rumored for quite a while here. Thought it was very, it was a great promo package for these two. Cutting right back to Natty uh, crying in the ring there with uh, Beth Phoenix. Wonderful moment. And uh, just happy for both these guys. Happy for Brett. Happy for Jim. I mean, I I obviously wish Jim was here to enjoy it. Could have maybe been done a little bit earlier, Um, but you know, and and then there's, and then there's the stuff about like, maybe they all should have gone in. Maybe Pillman should be there. Owen should be there. Bulldog should be there. I mean, are you happy with the Hart Foundation going in in this iteration?
3: I, I agree. There are some nitpicks there, much like I had some nitpicks with uh, the DX China thing. But all that being said, I don't want to get too caught up on that because this is a big a big deal. And, and the Hart Foundation rightfully deserve it here to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm glad to see them going in. It's an interesting Hall of Fame class from top to bottom is what I'll say.
2: You know, and I think, you know, th- I don't know what they're going to do with Owen, right? Because of his widow. Bulldog is a standalone Bulldog can go in and you know Davey would be great for that but Pillman you know I talked to Pillman Jr. about this maybe a month ago and he was like my family's a good stand with WWE my mom still gets a check from them you <laughs> know so like <laughs> I think Pillman probably somebody you could do as a standalone as well um, and you know both of both their sons would make great for inter, in, inducting them into the Hall of Fame uh, especially with a guy like Pillman Jr you could even time that right where you induct his dad and, and kickstart his career. Into the company at some point if if the timing's right, you know.
3: Well, and I don't want to lose too much sight here too. about how big of a deal this is for, like, as you said earlier, Jim the Andel Nightheart. Like that's a that's a talent that deserves to be recognized, and at least we we can look at it from the perspective of he's getting his dues from WWE, which is awesome.
2: I love that uh my girlfriend Liz only really knows Jim the Anvil Nightheart for from Total Divas <laughs> and um, of course
3: and she loved he's that. like the couch dad in that show. he's always like sitting in that little recliner and he,
2: he Jim was so good I mean he's just a he's a gentle gentle giant you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just it touched it touched both of us to see him, you know, see that package and get to see Natty crying in the ring there. So uh, glad to see him going in. Uh, let's talk about uh, more WrestleMania news here. Triple H came out uh, on Raw last night, did an impression of the Spice Girls um, while impersonating Batista at the same time and uh, revealed that Batista is requesting that he put his career on the line in their street fight here at WrestleMania. Uh, so this will be a retirement
3: bout here for Triple H I, I think Hunter's going to beat Batista. You put this stipulation out there, it's got to be a victory for Hunter, right? Because what do you have to gain from him never being allowed to compete, unless you dismiss the gimmick or dismiss the stipulation here in the next few months? What do you have to gain from him not being able to wrestle? He's yeah. not a weekly talent, but he can still go and deliver big-name matches like this.
2: Unless, you know, we, unless there's something he knows that we don't, right? I mean, the guy just had surgery here six months ago, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But... I don't see Batista being around for the long haul. He's very busy right now. And yeah, a a baby, if anything, Batista here is really helping to babyface Triple H because I got to think after WrestleMania at some point with the way that Papa H, uh, NXT dad, looks out for his talent, looks out for the women's division. I see a collision course for him and Vince McMahon here after WrestleMania.
3: I think so, right? We're going down eventually to uh, uh, ownership of the company battle is what it feels like in the long term. And you have Stephanie and Triple H on one side, Vince and and his son, uh, Shane on the other. Oh, boy. Yeah right?
2: Evil Shane, evil Shane and evil Vince. Well, you're
3: establishing Shane right now with this WrestleMania feud and being a tag team champion as being a more legitimate in-ring competitor. So long-term booking, it kind of makes sense.
2: I wouldn't be shocked if they had Steph turn on her own husband and was like,
3: look, (laughs) you are, (laughs) look, you know, you are not blood. Uh, first of all, you remember that drive through wedding we had 15 years ago? It's null and void 20 years ago. God, I'm getting old.
2: So I, I wouldn't put a passive to, 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 to skewer a marriage to, to get a good story across. So I don't think it's a given that Steph's on side,
3: uh, side NXT. I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, it was a funny, funny promo. I mean, Triple H said he's always great on the mic, right? He's pretty good off the to bottom. He, he has great intensity. But the Spice Girls lines, uh, they got me, Nick. They made me laugh. I got to admit, it's pretty funny.
2: Uh, Finn Balor on Raw last night won the right to face Bobby Lashley for the IC title at WrestleMania. I think we're going to get the demon, which would be great um, to see Finn Balor get to, to do that. He hasn't got to do the demon at WrestleMania yet. Am I correct about that? I don't think he has.
3: I don't think he has either. He did it at like some B-level pay-per-views, but I don't think he's done it a big one. So. Yeah,
2: so this will be very cool to see fit in that light and uh, hopefully make for a feel-good moment there. It's interesting to think about uh, the the crew that could be holding titles at the end of the night, Becky, Kofi, um, Seth, uh, Finn. You know, you could have a real moment there with a showcase of the young talent holding the titles there at the end of the night if, if enough of the good guys go over, which is what usually happens at Mania, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in Andre the Giant Battle Royal news, Braun Strowman has two new p- opponents in the bout, in the form of SNL's Weekend Updates, Colin Jost and Michael Che. And I'm not going to mince words here. I absolutely love Colin Jost as a heel. He's great, and I cannot wait to see that. I can't. I, look, I don't care. I'm excited about this. Whatever. It's SNL meets WWE. <laughs> it's like I don't care. It's I, like it, not real SNL though. It's like oh, WWE SNL. Come dude, on. these are look. These are these are two current. Breakout SNL guys. They're going to be in a match at WrestleMania. I don't get the hate. I, you know, I don't <laughs> get the hate. Everyone's like, oh, they're wasting Braun. No, they're not. This will be on all the highlight reels. This will be great for him. No complaints.
3: <laughs> oh, you don't have the news in here about Braun Strowman breaking the car because they made a toy about it, right? That's That was weeks ago. What the what are you talking <laughs> about? No. Or was it? Uh, I don't give Week... up with the news. Oh,
2: weeks ago, that happened. <laughs> Look, Joe Stichet. Look, and I love Michael Che. Like, Colin, what are you doing? You're gonna get yourself killed if you continue to do this. I mean, what what's the outcome here? What happens? How's the, how's this play out?
3: He he scares he scares them over the top rope. They eliminate themselves, and he chases them around, and it's funny, right? right. That's got to be what happens. I think maybe that... he distracts Braun Strowman, or he distracts. Yeah, and then somebody else eliminates Braun Strowman. Gronk Gronk's got to be in this match, right? Like, let's. <laughs> Well, we'll get to Gronk here in a little bit,
2: but no, I you know I could see Braun and it coming down to Shay and Jost, and Braun goes after Jost, and Shay uh, pushes Braun a little bit, and Jost and Braun fly over the top. Michael Shay Winner, because that's what everybody wants. Nobody wants to see Colin Jost win.
3: Man, do you remember when the Andre the Battle Royal uh, actually meant something? Like back in the day, whenever I don't know whoever won it back. Then?
2: Punch your ticket to working with SNL now if you're in the Andre the Giant Battle. <laughs> Sign me up is what I would say. Oh. I hope that mm. I hope that Braun goes to the weekend update set this weekend or next and just trashes the place. That's what I'm still oh. really hoping here for with that this. that happened
3: to what next it would have to be this weekend, right? Advertised for next weekend's pay per view, probably.
2: <laughs> night night before Mania too. You can do Saturday night. Although Braun's gotta be at the, the Hall of Fame, which takes place every year before WrestleMania. Every year actually. before the <laughs> night before WrestleMania.
3: <laughs> I, did,
2: I didn't write it in the run sheet either, but those pot shots that Elias took at the, the garden were pretty ballsy, I thought, on WWE's part. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was pretty good. These this dump. I've sold this place out three times yeah, myself. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that's and, and pot shots at Ring of Honor New Japan too let's just uh, call it what it is no
2: that's what the, that's 100% what that
3: was so. I mean there's some bad beef there probably between MSG and WWE just because Vince didn't get what he wanted I would assume a little bit of bad bad blood there but I'll tease that
2: I have an interview next week with Carrie uh, Silkin who has some opinions on uh, uh, MSG and ROH's relationship but not this week next week I'll save it for next week um, Wrestling Observer reporting uh, Rey Mysterio versus Andrade CN almost or just Andrade now, uh, was originally booked for WrestleMania in a mask versus hair match. Apparently, the idea fell to the wayside, maybe because nobody wanted to see Andrade have his hair cut. But now we have Joe and Mysterio. Apparently, the decision was made, you know, late or, you know, late the week before, just before it was announced on on SmackDown. Um, Weird. Just drop the gimmick. Keep the match. It's a great match. I don't (laughs) don't know. know. I don't get it. Uh, let's see here. We uh, also had... Oh, at WrestleVote. <laughs> I wrote the wrong thing here. At WrestleVotes, WWE is apparently uh, has reconsidered... Now, this is a this report from late last week. They were considering angle versus reconsidering Angle versus Corbin due to the fan backlash. Now, that does seem to have changed. Kurt beats Samoa Joe on Raw. He's going to face AJ Styles tonight on SmackDown. He's going to face Rey Mysterio next Monday night on Raw. And The Observer now reporting much more recently... That Angle is handpicking his final opponent, but he has no say whatsoever in his WrestleMania match and his opponent Baron Corbin. Mm, interesting, interesting problem to have because I think it's going to result in some wonderful television.
3: Well, you're you're giving the fans what they want, right? Here are all the people you want to see him wrestle, uh, and and Kurt's not what he used to be, so he is half a, a few beats off of of where he was back in his TNA days. But let's revisit these great feuds and great rivalries and great matches. Uh, of course, he had some. Great stuff with Rey Mysterio back in the day before he left WWE. But interesting that they're giving you what you want until you get to WrestleMania. And I know they say they're reconsidering it, but it very much felt like last night they were continuing to double down on Angle versus Corbin at Mania. Um, so I don't think it's going to change. Oh, don't get your hopes up people is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. I just think it's cool. And I liked how, uh, Baron Corbin had a match with Apollo Cruz on raw last night. And I thought that match was better than the match that Apollo Cruz had with Kurt angle. Uh, yes. I hope that they put Baron Corbin in with one of these other opponents, these dream opponents that Kurt has, uh, sometime next week on raw.
3: Well, you're legitimizing. I mean, this is a, 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 you know, a glory run for Kurt angle and kind of a final, final lap around, but, but, for Baron Corbin, you're establishing him as being a credible opponent to Kurt Angle, and I like that. It makes it makes Corbin a more interesting guy to face Angle in his final match.
2: Well, somebody brought this up on Twitter. I forget exactly who it was, but they were like, "Why is Kurt Angle retiring if he wins all the time? Right? He's obviously still <laughs> he beat the United States champion. Right? <laughs> yeah, like... He's obviously still a very good competitor. I guess go out on top like Seinfeld this situation, but you know he's capable of winning matches here. Obviously."
3: The point is he barely beat Samoa Joe last night. He had to roll up in that weird thing to kind of escape with a victory. And he even seemed surprised by it. So WWE is paying attention here just for the record. Give them credit.
2: Uh, And lastly, here in our WrestleMania news roundup, uh, PW Insider reporting that Hulk Hogan is going to be brought in for WrestleMania weekend. Apparently uh, also being brought in. We Brutus, the barber beefcake uh, who Hulk could be inducting into the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, isn't that wonderful? Michael, that Brutus the Barber Beefcake is going to go into the Hall of Fame, and his buddy Hulk's going to do it. It's a beautiful story. It's like a Disney story.
3: Everything comes full circle, man.
2: It's like a Disney story for a giant hulking man who carries shears around. You know,
3: <laughs> don't run with scissors.
2: Uh, you know, uh, look. You know what Br- I learned from Brutus. <laughs> look, I don't know about Hogan. I, I'm still very interested to see how the public reaction to Hulk Hogan plays out. But uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, look, uh, all kidding aside. When you talk about pro wrestling from the 80s, I know dudes that are not even big wrestling people that still love Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And there's just something about his look, his character, uh, you know, and with Harlem Heat going in, who really didn't have any WWE career at all, arguably Brutus the Barber Beefcake deserves a spot in the WWE Hall of Fame. Absolutely.
3: And I wouldn't worry too much about Hogan's reception. I mean, look at the way he was received over in Saudi Arabia. You know, that's fine. (laughs) Or Florida. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or
2: Florida <laughs> Where he <was>. yeah, right. <laughs> at the WrestleMania press conference. He was, uh, all right. So we'll move here to some non WrestleMania news. Uh, Nikki Bella. Uh, did you watch the season finale of total Bellas? I have not,
3: not watched it in a few
2: years. Catch it. Got to go back and watch it. Nikki Bella announced her in ring retirement at the end of the show. She said that the rare, the wear and tear of the road has just taken to her, taken too much of a toll on her body. Uh, and she's joining her, her sister, Brie, in retirement Um, reflections on the career of the Bellas, Michael.
3: I mean, listen, right. They weren't always what we wanted as pro wrestling fans, especially from women's wrestling, but they did tear down a lot of barriers that allowed us to have the women's revolution we had as their careers were ending. So I I know we like to pick on and beat up the Bellas for what they represented at a certain time in WWE wrestling in the late two thousands and early 2010s. But these women meant a lot to the business. They meant a lot to the company they mean a lot to these reality shows. Total Divas would not have happened without the Bellas, and Total Bellas has been a huge success. And so I, I think it's really important to recognize them for what they have accomplished in the ring and and not let our criticisms of, well, they're not real women wrestlers like, you know, Charlotte is or like Becky Lynch is, right? No, they, they really did a ton for, for the sport. So uh, congratulations on retirement. I hope that they find all the success they want to in their future business. I endeavors. hope
2: I really can't recommend enough going back and watching this particular season of Total Bellas here. As you watch the wi- the rise of the women's revolution, the introduction of Ronda Rousey from the perspective of the Bella Twins leading right up to the Evolution pay-per-view. And on the rise to it, there's a great moment where Nikki, uh, they announce the match between her and Ronda Rousey. And then like 20 minutes later, they go... Nikki that we sold the show out. She's like, yeah, look at that. (laughs) You know, and kind of like does like a little bit of a a success dance there because like the whole season is about the Bellas grappling with the crit, the harsh criticisms at the of the fans at this particular time of pro wrestling, when women's wrestling is under such scrutiny, but also dealing with the fact that they're becoming hugely successful. (laughs) And so again, it's a very interesting think piece. And The final episode ends with Daniel Bryan turning heel uh, and is like, I cannot wait for a change of pace. And then Nikki takes off with Artem on a motorcycle her Dancing with the Stars partner. There's a lot of cliffhangers there. If this was it for Total Bellas, I'm going to be upset because there was a lot of stuff I want to see followed up on.
3: I, I sense another a weekly podcast coming where you cover Total Bellas each week. So.
2: I've thought about it. Got to put <laughs> it behind a paywall. You do it with Ms. and Mrs.,
3: and I'm there, okay? Listen, I'm it.
2: there. I will do all of the WWE reality shows. Absolutely. No no, no problems with that. Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting Matt Hardy is apparently pushing for a new gimmick. He wants to be known as Multifarious Matt Hardy, and the gimmick would see him uh, bouncing between his V1 gimmick and his Woken Matt gimmick and his uh, big money Matt gimmick, which he started when he was in Ring of Honor. So it kind of reminds me of the three phases of Foley. And for that reason,
3: I kind of love it. I, you know, whatever. I let this man have some fun. Hardy is always pushing the boundaries of what it means to be a character, to tell a story in and outside of the pro wrestling ring. So I love this. It seems kind of corny and cheesy and weird. Your your comparison to Mick Foley is great here, the three faces of Foley. Mm -hmm. But just the idea that he could be morphing in between all these really eclectic characters. I love V1 Matt Hardy. I want to see more big money Matt. We've been there with Woken, but it'd be fun to see all these guys kind of show up at different spaces. And God, Matt Hardy is just he's his own special kind of genius. He really is.
2: Uh, WWE has shortened Mustafa Ali's name to just Ali. Uh, Ali has tweeted the following: "Mustafa means the chosen one, with an emphasis on being chosen from amongst the people. Name or not, nothing has changed. I fight for the people. I am one of them. So, uh, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm just so partial to Mustafa Ali. I've known him so long for that, but I get." Ali, the fans they go Ali, 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 Ali. That's what they do. I call him Ali when I talk to him. It just seems like I don't know, weird, unnecessary. They,
3: it's on us. They do this so often. Biggie e <laughs> Langston, right? Do we really not need Langston as a name? Mustafa Ali, and this feels a little bit I I it just feels almost a little bit. I don't want to say this, but it's just a little bit uh, we're just trying to Americanize him even more to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. Playing off You know what I mean? Like we're mm-hmm. taking a little bit of that characteristic and that's just maybe my opinion here but of course mustafa's ali is cool with it or ali i should say is cool with this because he's very much a company man and and wwe has done right by him a lot recently so i get this i think it's necessary and i think wwe talks down to its audience too much
2: yeah i agree i think this was a misstep here you know usually these name shortenings don't really bug me that much like rusev is rusev arguably much better as rusev i think that one works you know sure um uh, but i don't know any time will tell maybe i'll adjust to it again i call him ali it's ali uh when i talk about him but uh, i agree with you there does seem to be a hint of an americanization there by, by dropping the mustafa part Um uh, pwinsider.com insider.com reporting the undertaker and michelle mccool were at the wwe performance center last week that's awesome to hear
3: yeah man that's um that's cool that they're, they're going to be – Michelle McCool has a lot to add value to as well. Let's not forget Undertaker. We all know Undertaker. But I, I'm happy to see Michelle McCool hopefully maybe doing something with the company moving forward.
2: Yeah. You know, and on the note of the PC here, a pro wrestling sheet reporting that Stacy Irvin Jr. requested his NXT release uh, following a recent concussion scare apparently. Uh, the Observer reporting that uh, Irvin was being praised backstage within WWE. Uh, he has gone to Twitter. He has removed NXT and WWE from his bio. He's already teasing another workout project. Now, I, I wasn't too familiar here with Stacey, but I was looking at his stuff on online. Uh, definitely a physical specimen. This man here looks like a pro wrestler. Um, and on the same note, Squirt Circle Siren says Ricardo Miller has also requested his, re- his release. Uh, he had a football background and was picking things up quickly. But two guys out the door here in the same week. Um, I if I'm, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just a little weird. You never hear about these things. Two guys gone. Same time. Boom, boom.
3: Yeah, it's, it's but it's it's not big names, right? Not as yeah. worried about it. Concussion scare, big freaking deal, especially this day and age with all we know about brain trauma and right. what it can do to you long term. So I get it. If you have other projects, if listen, if you love pro wrestling, but it's beating you up and you love something else as well that's not beating you up the same way, I totally get why somebody would, uh, you know what it is, Nick? We're, we're all kind of creative in our own way. We do this, we do that. And, and we kind of have a bunch of different side hustles going to kind of feed those creative urges we have. and sometimes one thing rises up while another one dies down and it's surprising and it shocks us all, but good for them. And, and I guess they uh, want to do something different.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, and on the free agents note, there were two guys that announced their career retirements over the past five days. One is Rob Gronkowski from the new England Patriots. And the other is Connor McGregor. And I think it's interesting, but that both of these guys have finished up their respective careers because both guys seem to be huge pro wrestling fans. And if they're free agents, uh, could create some very interesting situations here especially with Connor and Becky, Mojo and Rob, a lot of fun a lot of fun pairings up there.
3: All right, let's just take a half a step back here. No. Totally by the the Rob Gronkowski retirement rumor or retirement announcement, right? It's not a rumor, it's an announcement, he announced it. Yeah. Totally get that, think it's legitimate. I think he definitely will move into the realm of professional wrestling and WWE definitely has an open door for him if okay. they want to use him.
1: Okay.
3: Connor McGregor though, Nick? Yeah. I'm skeptical, dude. You're skeptical he's not done with MMA? I'm, I mean, this is, listen, he was in intense negotiations with UFC up until, what, the last couple of days? And he announced he's done this once before. Go back, what was it, two <laughs> or three years ago? Okay. He was going to appear at UFC 200, and, and he announced his retirement. And, and then, what, a, a few months later, he was back, right? Headline so, the Garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know that I'm I'm buying the Conor McGregor story. I think he does these things. I think Conor McGregor can choose what he wants to do, right? The man is set up for life, and he has let everybody know that. But I, I definitely feel like this is a little bit more of a, a stalling tactic or a negotiation technique.
2: You know, Rob Gronkowski, you know, Mojo Raleigh, they've picked up again on doing those things where he talks into the mirror. Maybe one day he's, like, talking into the mirror, and then over his shoulder there's Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> mojo dude what's going on why so glum my big frowned chum you know and uh then rob gronkowski and mojo helps him get his mojo back
3: here here's the one thing i will say on both accounts right rob going to wwe potentially with conor mcgregor if this retirement is legitimate going to wwe we are continuing to see WWE be a place where athletes from all spectrums of the world come together, big names come into. It is not the pro wrestling organization it was 20 years ago where these guys came up to the ring. You still have a lot of that, and don't get me wrong, but you also see this opening up to people like Ronda Rousey, these multi-sport athletes who kind of come and, and find a second career in WWE. I don't know how I feel about it, but it definitely does make the WWE feel like a certain haven for big names.
2: hmm Certainly does. Uh, Well, a big name here down in NXT, apparently, according to The Observer, Keith Lee, apparently has been sidelined with an undisclosed injury. I hope to have more for you guys on that later this week, but very bummed to hear that. Last time I saw Keith in person was actually, like, WrestleMania weekend last year, um, and uh, just a super talented guy, and I hate to hear that, especially since he's, like, part of the core unit now of top guys in NXT, so... Unfortunate. Uh, a bunch of AEW news here that we'll prattle through. Uh, Allie, formerly of Impact Wrestling, <laughs> signed with AEW. I wrote it wrong here in my run sheet. Uh, huge, Formerly Cherry Bomb, she's been doing the Demon Bunny gimmick here in Impact Wrestling. Um, good for her. Huge talent. Love Allie. Mm. She'll be great. Uh, Brandy Rhodes noted that the new AEW championship is going to be about the size of the Mid-South North American Championship. I looked at a photo of this title. This title is gigantic.
3: <laughs> How big is too big, guys? Like every little bit, we're coming out with bigger and newer and huger championships. Like, come on, y'all, come on. Uh, Jim
2: Ross confirmed that uh his agent is talking to AEW. He's talking to ESPN, and he noted the reason that he is now talking to AEW is because WWE only booked him twice in 2018. It's <laughs> like that ain't gonna work. So he's you know mutually leaving, as we've talked about before. Him and Vince had the talk. And uh, Jim looks to be off to AEW.
3: I mean, he, he wants to work. I mean, I, I get it. He still considers himself a lot to offer. And, you know, since the unfortunate passing of his wife a couple of years ago, I get it. He wants to stay busy. So hopefully he'll be a great addition to the AEW team if that works out.
2: Yes. And a wonderful uh, piece of bait to dangle out there in front of TV companies if you can get Jim Ross there. Because The Observer also reporting that AEW is apparently in no rush to sign a TV deal. Uh, They're trying to create some leverage right now. Uh, They've got a lot of shows that are selling out quickly. Uh, They're watching TV rights deals play out for things like WWE and mixed martial arts where those rights are on the rise. So a lot of factors here right now is AEW kind of circling their wagons before they're going to put pen to paper here and and pick whatever TV deal they're going to have. But at the same time, the Observer reporting, there will still be uh, some kind of streaming option for Double or Nothing regardless of of what this TV deal, uh, what, what comes to this TV deal talks
3: Get that money, man. I mean, listen, if numbers are going up, you don't want to you don't want to commit too early to the wrong bride, you know?
2: Yeah, no, no, 100%. Uh, and uh, actually, speaking of uh, AEW here, I was at C2E2 for a couple hours here this weekend, um, and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega participated in a panel discussion on stage. A couple of the highlights uh, coming out of that panel discussion, the Young Bucks announced that they're going to put their AAA tag team titles on the line against the Lucha Brothers at Double or Nothing. Uh, this was a little expected, but popped the crowd just to hear that. Uh, they also teased the idea that they're going to bring all in back to Chicago, all in two. They said, Oh, we really like that place that they put a plaque of our face out in front of it, which is the Cedar Center. Um, and also, Who would like that, right? Uh, it's a good way to get them to come back. Just put a plaque of them out there, you know? Uh, but lastly, uh, the, there was a question where they were asked if there's anything they've ever been asked to do that they wouldn't do. And uh, they both, they all three were like, I don't know. We kind of say yes to everything. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was Matt Jackson said that he wouldn't take the border, to- the border toss from Hernandez because he's scared it would break his neck. Um, and then Kenny Omega jumped in and he goes, "You know what? There's actually this guy who used to work in New Japan Pro Wrestling, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. His name was Yoshitatsu. And uh, oh wait, did I say greatest? I mean, he's awful. And, and literally anything that he would ask me to do, I would say no. Um, and he just sat there and trashed Yoshi Tatsu. He said Tatsu ripped off Triple H's move set, but did it really badly. He's like, he was re- <laughs> like he said, he said it was like wrestling a bad Triple H. He said he's like, no, I'll do the Triple H spinebuster. And he's like, that's not what a spinebuster looks like. That's a concussion maker right there. <laughs> so- Wow, uh. that's that's
3: intense, dude.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Tatsu, not well liked by Kenny Omega. Oh. Uh, and lastly here, last bit of news, Lucha Central reporting some great news. I'm very happy to hear that the, 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 the levy has finally broke here. Lucha Underground has settled with talents who were suing them, all the talents that were involved in lawsuits. They have been released from their Lucha Underground contracts and made free agents, including Ivalice, Joey Ryan, and Thunder Rosa, uh, you know, I I like uh, I love Evie a lot. Evie's great. Evie Lee's, but uh, obviously Joey Ryan is the is the new show pony in the room. And if this guy's free and clear, uh, I'm sure there is a, a huge, uh, not a huge, but a, a select group of very good offers in front of Joey Ryan right now. Hmm.
3: Hmm. Uh, Joey Ryan is one of those things that um he, he's a name that is so known across all of the independent scene and and even mm-hmm. mainstream scene to a certain extent where he's the guy coming out of this he's gonna be able to do something i think pr- pretty pretty big with this coming out I, of this I, I
2: gotta think it's AEW. I w i don't see yeah. him in w they're not gonna let him be joey ryan in wwe
3: on any level how would how would you censor that they would name, make his name just joey right sure. and instead of thrusting his uh, male region he would thrust his pecs i don't know <laughs> <laughs> right
2: i'm gonna put my nipples in your face
3: yeah sponsored by
2: google <laughs> At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show one of the most hated wrestlers in all of Mexico. It is Sam Adonis. Sam, welcome back, or welcome to The Winkley. Thank you for having me,
4: man. I appreciate uh, the invitation. Mm-hmm. I've had some fun with you at a couple independent shows around the country, and uh, I'm glad to be here with you.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I really just wanted to talk with you, Sam, because, you know, in the locker room, you get to meet all kinds of people, and you have a real passion for for the wrestling business, you know, you grab me, you're, you're very invested in all of your matches. I mean, just tell me a little bit about your history in pro wrestling and, you know, how you got to this point. We'll start there.
4: Well, I, I think I should probably say it starts off because I'm legitimately insane, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I grew up pretty much in the wrestling business. Um, my father was a promoter uh, pretty much as far back as I can remember. He used to buy uh, fundraising events for his local fire department. And, you know, he put them on and he got inside the wrestling business which ultimately led to myself becoming a wrestler as well as my super famous older brother, Corey Reyes, becoming a wrestler. So, um, you know, being being around that as a family, it kind of, you know, made it more omniscient. It made it all seeing, all doing, all knowing. You know, basically my mom knows more about wrestling than a lot of the wrestlers do these days. But, uh, you know, being around it so much, it consumes my everyday life. It's what I love. I live for it. And, uh, you know, since I was a kid, I've just been around it. Whether it's my dad's events or traveling to the indie shows with my my brother before he was on WWE, um, I just I, I get to live my dream every day and I couldn't be happier.
2: Yeah, and I know that you had a brief run down in FCW, uh, which was a WWE developmental territory at the time. Uh, this was a while ago, but I mean, what was that like there? What What did you learn with your time in FCW? Uh, i learned that i was too young to have a wwe contract okay Uh, i was signed
4: at the end of 2011 and spent about nine months there in 2012. yeah um and it just wasn't for me you know i was a 21 year old kid and anybody that's worked there or you know or knows people that have worked there will tell you that environment you know is, is not set up for children you know i wasn't mature enough to handle the situations and you know rise to the occasion of a professional environment and, you know, even as a performer, I wasn't nearly ready to be there, you know? So luckily I, I was released on good terms, you know, and i remained, um, uh, friendly with most of the contacts I had there. And, you know, since then I've really flourished and, and have been lucky enough to been presented to, with a ton of opportunities inside the wrestling business. And, uh, you know, I definitely look at my time there as valuable. But, you know, while I was there, I definitely wasn't ready to be there.
2: Now, you talk about how you weren't ready to be there. It wasn't meant for kids. I mean, you know, specifically, you know, what were some of the things that you were struggling with in that environment?
4: Uh, Keeping my mouth shut, (laughs) being around the right people at the right time. You do talk a lot. You Um, talk a lot. I've noticed that. (laughs) Well, it's a a catch-22 because, you know, the wrestling business kind of attracts, you know, freaks and weirdos like myself. You know, somebody that can talk a lot is usually, you know, not exactly camera shy which is i believe my biggest asset as a performer you know being able to go out there and, and light up a room with personality and, and uh, you know character but you know sometimes you need to learn how to turn that off and you know when i was 21 years old under contract with WWE, you know, that was something i didn't quite know quite yet i
1: got you. so
4: uh again in hindsight it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me getting released because it kind of lit the fire under me that I didn't, you know, have while I was already there. Yeah. I was too young to really realize and appreciate what I had at the moment.
2: Yeah. And ever since then, I know you've worked a lot in the UK, Mexico, you're heading off to Japan soon. We'll, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Um, but what, what have you learned getting to travel around and, and visit these different international territories uh, since you you know left the FCW territory?
4: Well, it's funny because, you know, as a kid, I was pretty much turned off, you know, by American wrestling around the age of twelve or thirteen.
2: Yeah,
4: um, I remember, you know, trading tapes with some guys back in the day, or you know, ordering DVDs online. And I, I always searched for what I couldn't have. So I was probably the only twelve-year-old on Earth that was, you know, more into watching, you know, Japanese and Mexican wrestling than I was, you know, what was happening on TV at the time so i can honestly say after about 2002 or 2003 i wasn't the biggest you know fan of of the tv product i saw so in a sense uh that's helped me in my journeys you know internationally um i've kind of had a good grasp of what i was looking to do um and that might be a little bit why i've been able to thrive in those environments is because it was something i wanted so much you know i feel like going into mexico blindly probably wouldn't have had the same results as it did, you know, me knowing the history and uh, paying attention to, to who's the bosses and whatnot. Because, you know, a lot of times, I'm sure most of your listeners know, and there's a lot of backstage politics and everything in the rest of the business, when they meet somebody that, you know, comes in the front door and they, they can almost appreciate the fact that, hey, who's this, you know, big white dude that we never heard of and doesn't speak Spanish, yeah. but knows more about the history of our company than we do? You know that kind of stuff has helped my cause along the way, and and when they take a shining to you because of that, you know clearly there's going to be some opportunities you know spinning off the tail end.
2: Yeah, you know you are you are a very big dude. I will say that. You know I say some guys look just like the action figures taken out of the box, and you are certainly that. You uh, you look and play the part of a wrestler well, and when you look like you do, Sam, I feel like you could you know try all kinds of different characters and gimmicks. Uh, I would love to know. Uh, how did it come about that you in Mexico began uh, portraying a pro-Trump MAGA uh, bad guy down in Mexico?
4: Well, you see, that's that's kind of a misconception that, that I, I've tried to explain as much as I could. I've never really made that the character. The character's already always been kind of the same of who it was. I'm just I'm basically just the biggest piece of crap on earth. I'm so braggadocious and insane that if you had a peanut allergy. I would throw peanuts at you. So being, you know, in Mexico, as an American, I wanted to rub it in their face that this character is so cocky and outrageous that I don't care what you think of me. I'm going to come out to the ring with a flag with Donald Trump's face on it. So, you know, it, it was basically in the vein of all foreign heels. You know, I just thought, what can I do to get some heat? And I did a, a uh, tournament, an eight-man eight tournament, or a 16-man tournament where I represented the United States. And I've always been a big fan of Rick Rude. So uh, in Mexico, I got my tights, you know, airbrushed, like he used to have them. Right. And I was just thinking of some ideas. What can I get on it? I ended up getting Donald Trump's face on the side of it, just as a little detail. You know, I, it wasn't the, the, you know, catalyst of the, of the character of representing the United States. It was just something extra to add to the tights. And I noticed backstage how insane everybody went about, it. you know, people were saying, oh man, that's crazy. Oh, that's too funny. Even my bosses, you know, the, the bookers from CMLL came in the dressing room. Everyone's pointing about it and laughing. So I started to, you know, play with it and tweak it. And when I uh, when I wrestled in the UK for Brian Dixon for four years, I came out to the ring every day with an American flag. So it kind of just put, you know, one and one together and came out with two. And you know, it took off, and I was super lucky to get all the press and coverage that I got off that.
2: Yeah, are you surprised that the media, you got the media attention that you did? I mean, there were a lot of people very interested in what you were doing down in Mexico.
4: I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, I guess I probably would. I guess I am surprised about it. Um, the only thing that I, I'm not surprised about is they tried to make it very negative. They wanted to come down and basically point out that this American idiot's running around Mexico with Donald Trump's flag. They wanted me to look stupid. And, you know, I, I was, I, I've been, you know, quite well versed in my travels and learned how to handle circumstances like that. And I, I didn't let them do that. You know, I I basically turned a negative story into a positive story and most people that came down to do these interviews, um, you know, CNN, NBC, Reuters, vice, they ended up leaving almost with a newfound appreciation to what I was doing, you know, instead of just saying, Hey, look at this guy, you know, doing this stupid thing in Mexico. They left saying, wow, we never really understood what being a good heel was about, you know, and, and it almost opened their eyes a little bit more to professional wrestling. And to this day, you know, I've remained friends with a lot of them, you know, the, the mainstream media because of that.
2: That's awesome. I mean, it, it is. I mean, this is a big, you know, CNN Reuters. Those are some big outlets that, that you got the attention of down there. I mean, do you. I, do you, I mean obviously there's an element I would think of I, I hate to say like racism but I mean do you feel like you're walking that line down in Mexico by doing this I mean it doesn't sound like you're necessarily attaching yourself to what you're carrying around like the Trump flag and everything else like that it's just a, it sounds like you you want it to be just portrayed as just a, a prop to get heat
4: the, that's I mean people are gonna say what they want to say about it I lived in Mexico for two years I speak Spanish I had a Mexican girlfriend I was living with. Um, I've traveled around the world. I've met you know, some of my best friends on earth They're different minorities. I know I'm not something, sure. you know, So, but you're always going to have people casting stones and believing what they're unbelieved. So, you know, I, I don't worry about that too much, but um, it's just the, the situations I was put in, my bosses were telling me to push the envelope. Okay, You know, I'm wrestling the absolute biggest stars in Mexico, Ultimo Guerrero, Negro Casas, Blue Panther, Shocker. And when they're saying, "Hey, push it a little further, be a little bit more mean, say this, do this," you know, part of me wants to say, "Hey, guys, you're gonna get me killed out of here." That's what I'm but thinking. But the other part of me, yes. yeah. Yeah. the other part of me, as a performer, you know, it's taking it all in and saying, "Man, these guys—they're they're here for a reason. You know, they—they they put in these 40-year careers and 50-year careers because they know what they're doing." So I'm going to, you know, learn about my mistakes from WWE. I'm not going to question this. I'm going to shut my mouth and do as I'm told. And, you know, I ended up drawing some big money down there. You know, in, in, in the professional wrestling business now, I'd say that's kind of rare. You know, there's plenty of guys out there with 10,000 Twitter followers. But, you know, aside from myself and Kenny Omega, you know, in 2017, there wasn't another foreigner that had sold 10,000 tickets. So, you know, I hold that to a high regard, and I'm pretty proud of that. But um, it's just... It makes me, again, I think it all falls in line of being a student of the game and, you know, doing what I'm told and trying to just learn everything can, I can about professional wrestling and make the most out of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting, you know, and again, I say you're, you're walking the line with the gimmick of, of being racist. Of course, I'm not accusing you of anything like this is all theater and art. You know, I'm just wondering when you do walk that line where you're going out and pushing this thing as hard as you are, you kind of brought up uh, my next question for you was, you know, down in Mexico did you find yourself in any kind of like harrowing situations or front confrontations? Uh, doing well, this? I was, I was, I was falling to my car once uh, in a black Escalade oh,
1: and
4: fuck. you don't see too many black Escalades in Mexico city. So I kind of knew what was going on there. So the promoter had to calm that down, but generally the people in Mexico loved it. They adored it because most of them understand the, the, you know what it is. They, they want to lose themselves in the match. They want to hate. They want to get angry. And the same people that are throwing their beer on me after the match are the first ones to come up to get a picture with me. So they really embraced it. They like, you know, they, they always called me uh classical, you know, a, a classic luchador because I invoked that emotion again. You know, and again, it's about being able to walk a fine line and, and you know, be believable. Some people, you anybody can go out there with a Donald Trump flag and and try to, you know, say, hey, Mexicans are stupid and try to get some heat. But to actually, you know, convince 10,000 people or however many were watching the TV every week to believe that I'm the genuine artifact, I was taking my life into my own hands. But at the same time, the Mexican fans are such pure fans that they appreciated my body of work.
2: Man, that Escalade story that put that put some goosebumps on the back of my neck. I'm not gonna lie. Well,
4: I think it. <laughs> I think if I wasn't six foot four and 250 pounds, I might have had a few more problems. Yeah. But But uh, you know, I, I was I was quite recognizable down there, and to this day, you know, I'll be in Mexico City next week. To this day, I can't go into a, a restaurant without being a, probably signing an autograph or a picture or something. You know, the people down there they recognize who I am. So I think, you know, hindsight being twenty I've probably been in some pretty ridiculous situations I shouldn't have been in, but I think, you know, people may have fought twice because they don't exactly want to get punched in the face by a professional wrestler, even if they do have a gun in their pocket.
2: Yeah, uh, yikes. Now, I've seen you at Warrior Wrestling here. Uh, You've been at all the Warrior Wrestling shows, I believe, Uh, and I remember the first one, your work with Alberto Del Rio, bringing a bit of uh, that character, that gimmick, into the States. I mean... Uh, why, what do you think the difference is where you can get away with that down in Mexico? Cause I feel like in the States, that stuff is, uh, people don't, don't embrace it as much. They don't have fun with it. You know what I mean? It sounds like having yeah, well, fun down in Mexico.
4: The Mexican people that, uh, you know, the, my favorite thing about them is they, they don't judge you for what you do. You do what you do. And I'm going to take care of myself and my family. That's the mentality of the Mexican people. So it's almost, you know, it, it's, they ca- I can't say there's no rules. They're just a bit relaxed about it. You know, it's, it's, it's almost liberal in its actual sense, you know, instead of being liberal or, or you know, conservative, because that's the, the party you're supposed to represent, they actually have a bit of an open mind and open heart and say, hey, you don't hurt me, you don't hurt my family, do what you want to do. And I think that's why the Mexicans can, you know, suspend the disbelief and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, you know, everybody's trying to get free tickets or get, you know, free, free something, or they want to be angry for the sake of Twitter followers and Twitter likes. So they're going to complain and be angry and, you know, make something out of it that it's not. You know, I said this the other day, the most hostile crowd I've ever been in front of was at Ula La Lucha in uh, Detroit, Michigan. You know, granted, there was a tequila sponsor, so everybody in the crowd was wasted. But I mean, I felt like the room was breathing on me. I had my back to the corner the entire time because I was afraid I was going to have to make a dart for it.
2: Man. Just because, and you were and you were doing the Trump stuff and everything, and it just inflamed it, it people to a point they got very upset about it. I'm guessing, yes.
4: Well, it's it was a catch twenty two because it was a lucha event,
1: okay,
2: and we were
4: giving them authentic Mexican lucha, and due to the fact that you know I've, I've been on Mexican TV and all this, we were given that, but people almost took it to the sense where, oh, I didn't pay to be insulted with politics. You know, this is BS. You don't yeah. tell me, you know, and, and it's almost you know, they don't see the forest through the trees. They don't realize that this is all part of the artwork, you know? Like I said, they just you know, feel they can get free tickets or something out of it, so they wanted to complain and be angry, but that's all right. I'll be back there in, in May, and hopefully I don't get beat up this time either.
2: Jesus. Uh, how about the uh, other side of the coin here with uh, actual Trump supporters? Do you hear from, like, the MAGA fan base that is like, good job, way to, way to carry no, the flag? No, no? not really.
4: No? Uh, okay. no, that's really never been I- – I've never – I making a point to let everybody know that I don't really care about structured politics. You know, I I like people that take care of each other. People are friendly all over the world. You know, I lived in England for four years. I lived in Mexico for two. I travel consistently to Japan. Now I've been all over Europe. I I just, there's one constant people are generally good, you know, so I don't really ever want to, you know, dictate my beliefs, you know, or push one thing on one group of people or try to offend another group of people. So, uh, I haven't really heard much of that. I, I haven't, and after the first outing, once I literally had a chance to kind of explain the situation, most of the hatred and the, and the negative supporters kind of died off. Yeah. You know, I think it's pretty much common knowledge now that it was just a character and that it's all just part of the show, you know, and when the Mexicans could accept it, why can't the Americans accept it? Yeah. So anybody that still gets wound up about it, you know, in my opinion, kind of looks uneducated and foolish.
2: Yeah, you know, that's the thing, is wrestling, it's kind of, it's moved more in a realistic direction, at least in in America, I feel like. You know, so many wrestlers are just authentically just themselves. It's very different what you're doing to go out there and really try to immerse yourself in, like, a different set of skin, if that makes sense.
4: Yeah, well, it's only like that, in my opinion, due to, you know, a a general lack of skill. Um, You know, in my opinion, professional wrestling still is art, you know. A lot of the wrestlers have to develop themselves and become a character um I, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that people that are reality based or, or you know don't have a character don't have a gimmick in a sense it's because they they've never lived a life where they would develop into a character or gimmick man
2: yeah. you
4: know it, it's a lot easier for me to turn it on because you know i have traveled the world and i am in my opinion el rudo de las chicas you know i've traveled the world had fun been to bars you know why did nine with kings and queens and slept in alleys eating pork and beans to quote Dusty Rhodes, Jeez. but you know i think it's easier to create a character and a persona when you you actually you know believe these things have done these things a lot of times now i feel like you know it's it's a lot reality based because you know nobody wants to turn it on nobody wants to you know they're not interesting people that leave inter- interesting lives yeah. a lot of the independent wrestlers you know they they get hot on an independent scene locally, and then they get an NXT tryout. Next thing you know, you know they're going to be the next big thing in wrestling, but they never had a chance to marinate or develop you know, as a performer.
2: You know, it's so interesting to hear you say that, because I did Chicago improv here uh, for a long time in the city, and I started very young. I was doing improv in, in Chicago with professionals at like 18, 19 years old. And by about 24, I kind of burned out a little bit because I didn't feel like my, I was growing. And that's when I went out and I worked in a deli, and I like worked in offices and stuff. And, you know, you can't really do a scene about playing somebody in an office unless you've been in one, right? Like, there is something that resonates so hard with me about what you're saying about going out and giving yourself time to grow. Because I do think there are a lot of young wrestlers right now where it's like they get into wrestling so young and all they know is that wrestling. And you just blow through it so fast without figuring out who you are. So, anyway, that wasn't a question. That was more just an observation that I just ranted about. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, you have so much momentum right now. Uh, Japan, Mexico, U.K., um, you're heading over here. I'll, I'll, I'll switch gears. Let's talk about the, the champions carnival. You're going to be competing in all Japan's champions carnival. Um, tell me a little bit more about this tournament and, you know, why it is uh, so important.
4: Um, I mean, first of all, anybody that's, you know, really in tune with the wrestling business will tell you that historically, you know, all Japan pro wrestling is you know historically just about as big as new Japan is. Um, you know, they've done business for since 1972, I believe uh, this would be their 47th anniversary. Um, this is where Giant Baba came from. This is where Ric Flair worked. This is where you know Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody, who everybody you know ties in with Japan. This is the company they worked for. You know, granted they've had some you know ups and downs business lives for the last few years, but now you know they're on the up again. And the name value, the the sake and the prestige of being a part of something like this, in my opinion, you know, is super important. So uh, right now the American fans aren't exactly in tune. You know, New Japan's kicking butt. They're doing great numbers all over the world, you know, and for me I'm kind of proud to be a part of something that's a little bit different because, you know, it's a chance to really shine because, you know, if you can make somebody notice something, you know, it's a lot more difficult than getting somebody to continue watching something they're already watching. Yeah. So right now, you know, I I leave on April 3rd. It's a tournament of uh, 16 guys. But I mean, all of Japan has probably the best heavyweight division on the planet right now. You know, most of their guys average over six foot two, you know, between 220 to 350 pounds. It's big boys, you know, it's classic heavyweight pro wrestling, you know, and, and it's one of those things that right now I, I think I'm, I'm peaking at the right time. The opportunity is, you know, right there. And the fact that I'm going to get there, you know, I, I look at it almost as just, you know, it's an honor. Being able to say that I'm competing in the same tournament as you know all those names I just listed. Yeah. You know it's the it's the oldest heavyweight tournament in history. You know, it's basically all Japan's version of the G1 Climax. Yeah. But it's actually two years older. So, huh. just uh, I mean everything about it's going to be fantastic. I've been on two Japan tours before. Uh, this one's going to be a, an eighteen date tour, and uh, I mean we'll hit the whole country and the TV and the sponsors will be there and it's, I mean it's definitely the the step in the right direction and in my opinion uh, as much as I love working in Mexico I've done it all yeah. you know Japan is actually now to the point where it's still a little bit uh, uncharted to me you know I've done two tours but I, I still want more I want to be able to have those you know, 35 minute you know heavyweight matches that you see on TV or you know the Kabashi style matches the Masawa matches you know the guys that in my opinion made Japanese wrestling so famous you know that's that style now that I need to adapt and get better at. And it's all just part of the process of growing into the, the best version that Sam Adams can be.
2: And you know, you say you're you're you feel like you're peaking right now. Like you're I would say a better phrase would be you're in your prime right now. Um, you know, while you have so- <laughs> <That's>, yeah,
4: <laughs> I, I was thinking that as I was saying it, but again, I mean you say I talk to much. so that's probably what's happening.
2: No, that's fine. I just feel like peaking makes it makes it sound like you're some kind of on a downhill. Like this is the top of the mountain. I feel like you've got a lot of uh, climbing here to go still. Um, but you are definitely in your prime right now. You've made such noise outside of the States. Uh, Have you been in talks, you know, with any of the major, you know, North American promotions now that you've got this momentum, you know, AEW, uh, back to NXT, uh, Ring of Honor, anything like that?
4: I've had some offers from a couple people within the last year. Um, Nothing noteworthy. The problem is I've had jobs. I've had contracts. um, And it's kind of hard to negotiate while you're in these positions. Mm -hmm. Um, I was invited for some, some discussions that I wasn't able to attend because, you know, the wrestling media is so attached to all of this now that if my bosses in Mexico heard, I was talking with XYZ, I'd put my position in jeopardy. So until somebody could actually, you know, offer me something tangible where, you know, it's, it's real, real, you know, in black and white, uh, I don't really know what's going to happen but I'm just lucky that I have the work that I do have, you know, I'm Absolutely. staying busy. Yeah. So I can't exactly, there's, there's nothing, uh, there's no hidden secrets coming anybody's way, but at the same time, I like to think, you know, I'm, I'm staying relevant the best way I can. And I just work hard every day and I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Like, just watching you at, again, like, I've only seen you, you know, a handful of times we worked together at Warrior, but, you know, you're definitely somebody that, you know, I, I feel like is a little bit of a locker room leader. I mean, you come in and you just got some energy about you, Sam. I like how you talk to people. You know, it's very cool. Um, let's... <laughs> I, I,
4: don't know. I, I think that's probably the same type of talking that got me in trouble in WWE 10 years ago. Uh, but I think what it is is now, you know, I, I've always talked the same, but the fact that I'm now able to back it up. Maybe that's, you know, why it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm confident what I do. And like I said, I love the wrestling business probably more than anybody, which is why it makes me so insane. Sure. But uh, yeah, I do my best to just make sure that I can give back to the show any way I can. And that doesn't have, that sometimes has nothing to do with me or my match. Yeah, You know, if I can help a commentator be better, I will. If I can help a referee be better, I will. You know, I just want to make sure that, you know, John Q public and, and the ticket buyers you know, really get to experience professional wrestling and all this glory because it's the best art form on the planet.
2: Uh, one of my favorite things of the last show is you were taking on uh, uh, LA Park uh, at Warrior Wrestling Four, and how you were sending intermediaries to go talk to LA Park on your behalf because you wouldn't talk to him in person backstage. I thought that was—you uh, never see that stuff anymore. You know,
4: <laughs> it's—it it needs to be done. Uh, There's—I don't think there's one big problem with wrestling. I think there's ten thousand little problems with wrestling. You know, and if we all as wrestlers, you know, consciously made effort to cover up each little mistake we could, you know, we probably wouldn't be looked at by the masses as the way we are. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, as far as kayfabe goes and, you know, things like that, I think, you know, it it could be a little bit more managed and controlled. But I think generally people say, yeah, it's wrestling. People don't care anyway. Screw it. Mm -hmm. As I come from a, you know, cut of cloth that I feel, you know, is worth hanging on to.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, I'll shift gears here a little bit while we got a couple minutes. Uh, of course you are the uh, younger brother of Corey Graves in WWE. What was it like growing up with Corey? What was he like as an older brother? Did he beat you up all the time? Cause you were a wrestling family. He didn't, he
4: didn't beat me up cause I was bigger than him most of the time. Okay. But, uh, we were, we just had a blast. I mean, I love him to death. We've had so much fun. Um, he's five years older than me. So he moved out a little bit, you know, when I was still in high school and everything, mm-hmm. but most weekends, I would go stay at his house with his girlfriend and uh, travel with him to the wrestling shows. So in about 2002, I adopted the nickname little Sam and uh, you know, all, uh, there's a, a vast majority of, of TV talent you see right now. And if they're not on TV, you know, they're least working in some capacity, TNA, WWE, or AEW or something. Yeah. These are the guys I grew up with. You know, I, I remember hanging out with them and being around them before they were stars. So, you know, having that upbringing has definitely added to my value and, uh, you know, knowledge of business, but it was all possible because my brother was willing to invite me. You know, we would do the five-hour road trip to Philadelphia. There'd be, uh, you know, whatever independent he was doing, I would ride along. And then I'd go to the merch booth and buy some, you know, all the pan tapes from the 80s and say, hey, Matt, you got to watch this match. Or, hey, you should do this move. I saw this happen. So I was almost kind of like his unofficial little sidekick for a while. And then, you know, it just kind of developed into me training and being around the business myself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I've done all right since we've kind of parted ways, but I didn't even say he's probably doing a little bit better than I am.
2: Well, it's, I mean, he's doing very well. Corey is. He's doing commentary, of course. But, you know, his intention was to wrestle. You know, what was it like watching your older brother have to transition away from being an in-ring performer to a commentator?
4: Oh, that was absolutely heartbreaking for me and the family. Um, just considering, you know, as a kid growing up, you do, you, you you dream of headlining a WrestleMania against your brother or with your brother. You know, and I almost feel a little bit robbed from that as well. Um, considering how talented my brother as a performer actually was, you know, it, it's kind of upsetting. And uh, I mean, it, it's, it's life, though. This is what happens. You know, this is the risk we take every day as performers. You know, but luckily, uh, they always say true talent can't be held back. And, you know, my brother's greatest asset was always his promo abilities and being on the microphone. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, WWE knew that and and to this day knows that, which is why he's in the position he's in. So, you know, it's, it's not the job he wanted, but it's a pretty damn good job.
2: Yeah, and you know I, that's the thing is you just want to stay in the ride. When you love pro wrestling, you just want to stay in the pro wrestling business. And it's certainly a very uh, public position that he has. Uh, your brother has, of course, come under you know I'm I'm the media. We talk about we were talking about media scrutiny here. You know I don't like to report on negative stuff, but your brother uh, fa- has found himself in the crosshairs with the media a couple times. What do you make of the scrutiny that gets put on your brother and and how he handles it on social media?
4: Well, a I'd like to say my brother is absolutely you know his professional as could be. The one thing that people are always going to try to, you know, do is outsmart him. And I can tell you as his, you know, little brother, it's probably not going to happen. You know, there's not too many people that have a wit like my brother do, does. But at the same time, uh, I think the scrutiny doesn't necessarily reflect, you know, my brother or anything he's doing right now. Yeah. It's, t- it tends to be just the fans and the way they are now. Um, it's, it's not even, not even in wrestling. It's almost society. Um, the only thing people like to see more than a success story is a tragedy. You know, and people are always waiting for something to seek their teeth into. And to me, it's kind of upsetting because, you know, so many of these wrestlers, especially in the WWE, give everything they have to these fans. You know, they miss Christmas. They miss these holidays. They're on the road four days a week giving it their all. And the second that, you know, something personal comes up, their fans that are supposed to support them turn their back on it. And, and it's kind of not fair, you know. Um, It's just, I think sometimes people need to understand that, you know, whatever it may be, you know, we're people first. Wrestlers are people first. And, you know, it's just, in my opinion, sometimes comes off a bit selfish. You know, I think these guys need a little bit more credit, a little bit more uh, space. But again, that has nothing really to do with the wrestling industry. I think that's just, you know, social media ruining the world as it is, you know, making everything too accessible. You know, people weigh in on their opinions and just, make something sometimes a little bit more than it needs to be, yeah. you know, based on opinion and, and hearsay.
2: Yeah. Do your brother ever tweet any stuff or tweet stuff where you're like, Oh, Corey, that's going to get you in trouble. I don't know that I'd have done that one.
4: No, no, no. I get myself into my own trouble. So I got my own problems <laughs> to worry about, but uh, no, he, he does well. I mean, he's usually he he knows what he's doing to take care of things. So okay. I, I, and I'm in no position to tell him what to do. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's doing all right with for himself. So, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, well, Sam, I really enjoyed this chat. You're a super smart guy, and like I said, you're in the prime of your career, so hopefully I get to, to touch base with you here uh, later down the road so we can uh, see where everything's at with you. Um, is there anything in, in particular you'd like to plug, promote, put over here to, to wrap up the interview?
4: Uh, if you could please just you know tell everybody to follow me on social media. My Instagram and my Twitter are at Real Sam Adonis. Um I just appreciate everybody that's out there, everybody that likes me or hates me. You know, Thank you for watching me. Um, if I see you somewhere across the country, please come up and say hi. Uh, mention this interview, mention Nick. Anything we can do, you know, Yeah, you know, we, we can't do this without the fans. And, you know, most of the time, somebody that sees me and doesn't know me and or might have seen a clip online, you know, sometimes they tend to be surprised that I'm actually approachable. So, you know, anywhere I'm at, uh, I, I, I love this. I do this for you guys. I do this for professional wrestling. And I appreciate the time. And, and anytime you're ready to do it again, let me know.
2: At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show a six-time WCW World Tag Team Champion, a member of the NWO, uh, just not just Black and White, also Wolfpack, uh, and of course an actor. It is Marcus Buff, the Stuff Bagwell. Buff, welcome, uh, welcome to the Winkley.
4: Well, first of all, thank you, thank you for the introduction, but and most importantly, almost not almost, I thank every except you. Uh, has always announced me as a five-time world tag team champion. And I'm truthfully a six-time world tag team champion with five different partners. And I get no pat on the back for it and don't want one. But every time I do anything on the radio or podcast or anything, I clear the air if somebody out there knows somebody. One of the wrestlers, all in the years, a hundred years ago, it had six world tag team titles with five different partners. Please let me know. Because um, it's never been done, brother.
2: I am so glad that you started off on that note. Because okay, thank you. I, I, Well, first of all, you should thank uh, Tim Gonzalez or whoever wrote the press release for the thing we're about to talk about here in just a second, the, the comedy show. Because they got it right. And I basically and I I based my facts on on the information given to me, so I'm glad I got it right. Absolutely, we will uh, we will talk about, we will talk some tag team wrestling here in just a second because I definitely uh, want to get your thoughts on a few things in the realm of tag team wrestling. But let's start off here. Uh, Griffin comedian Tim Gonzalez and the Sellers Law Firm LLC are hosting Tall Tales at Doc Holiday's Saloon in their joint effort to raise awareness for Operation Lunchbox and its mission to feed hungry students. In the area, uh, Tall Tales—a live stand-up comedy show with road stories from some of the biggest, funniest, and most notorious names—and sports and entertainment—and I'll throw in sports entertainment. It's hosted inside the historic saloon once owned by the Wild West legends himself, Doc Holliday. And and you're going to be doing some comedy here, I believe. Uh, that's, uh, dude. I I put it all in here because I thought this was a well-written. Height piece for the show y'all were doing. Uh, uh,
4: everything you said was was was, was perfectly said, so let's get to know who to thank. But at the same time, uh, you delivered it perfect, and, and, and it's the truth. And, and here's the best part. Uh, me and my girlfriend, were just talking this other day, and I said, I said, let me ask you a question. I go, every time I tell you all these stories, Like, i see something and remind me of me and Brian, and one night, he came and knocked on my door and and asked for something that I can't ask, I can't say. But, actually, I I I can't say it. He asked for a razor. He asked me for a razor. But it was three in the morning, so y'all do the math. And um, uh, at three in the morning, flying Brian, film so you know, and, and 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 God rest his soul, he was dead before he was forty. And you know, I've got 70, 70 dead guys now. So my point is that everything I just said is my my thing is already written for me. It's my life, yeah. But when it's told and told the way that I talk, it's off the chain hilarious because people. They, they, it's, it's not, you can't even make this up. If Kevin Hart had my material, he couldn't make it up. He, he can't make it up. It's too deep. It's too crazy. And that's what makes this so fun, such a great idea. And hopefully at the same time, you know, guys and girls will turn out for, to raise the, uh, the awareness of this thing. That's a big deal. I mean, people are hungry out there. And that's lot, one of the things we all overlook because we, we're we're not hungry, but 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 the there are people that are. So and we, and and so I really 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 am excited about it.
2: That's awesome, uh, Buff. And uh, man, yeah, I think it's great to hear you're going to put a, a light take on it. It sounded a little dark to me when you're telling the the Pillman Razor story and how you wrestled seventy dead guys. You know, I mean, you set the tone. Is, is that, yeah. But,
4: but here's the catch. I, I, I don't talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. It would be more, it would be more, I'm just giving you the range. Gotcha. And it's a huge range there yeah. from, from a razor to 70 guys that are dead. Yeah. And, and that razor was, that razor was, was, was 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, li- literally 28 years ago. And, and so, um, you know, just as just so many stories of the problem is, my memory is incredibly good. But still, those little stories like that, you know, I'm starting to jot them down because it's just, they really are great stories.
2: So they really it, are. So I know the last time I chatted with you, like I said before we recorded, was like two years ago. When we last talked, you were planning your final year uh, in the ring. You were retiring. Is this what you're going to pivot into now? Or are you looking to get into the comedy circuit? Yeah. Do more of this?
4: I, to be t- told, t- honest, what happened is, I had five five hip surgeries on one hip. My left hip only. They put they they put they put a uh, I needed to get a hip replacement, real simple. They put a hip in. And then um it's 18 months later, and this is what got me. If if, if I would have known right away it wasn't any good, we could have got on it. I went to him at month eight. I said, bro, something's wrong. I said I promise you something's wrong. And he goes. He goes. Man, it's not good. Let's give it a year. And that between that next four months, I had a shoulder replacement. Okay, so now I'm just a shoulder out of yet trying to figure it out and make the balance so I don't burn the promoters. And and, and it, you know it just it just got it got to be steep that we said look let's just you know let's try to give it one last year. But long story short, the third surgery was a blood clot. That I got staffed. I was take everything out, which was for surgery. And the this surgery, was to put everything back in, bro. I 15, 16 weeks post-op for a four-year extravaganza that I could talk just about my hip about at, this, at that dance. And still, it would work. It's unbelievable. I went bro, for four years. But the good news is, which I talk about, is hey man, I'm on the mend. Buff Bagger's back. He's getting a little weight back again. He's on you know Facebook Live. He, yeah. He's getting out there again. My, my phone's ringing again. People care again, and that's all I care about is just trying to make people happy. Yes, you know? I, I I like people.
2: Yeah, well I got so, this. I got it, this interview with you kind of last second. I'm, I hate to cut you off, but I saw you in the <laughs> ring mixing it up at the Grizzlies game with Lawler and Rikishi and Steiner. I mean, you look like you were moving. Pretty yeah, well brother. There. Yeah,
1: yeah.
4: Bro, bro I, I mean, I'm I'm like, I'm mean, gonna hate to say this word because it's too high, but I'm about eighty eighty percent almost back. I mean, not body wise, muscle wise, but fiber wise, I'm gonna be a hundred percent back within three or four months.
2: Are you feeling like you're gonna give it a give it another go then? Here, or are you saying that you would like to take on some I, I, more matches? Not another
4: go because WWE is never gonna hire me. Right and I think it's crazy that they don't, but they never would. Not even for a... I mean, think how think good Booker T and a Buff Bagwell, the invasion match that never went anywhere, uh, repeating it the 20th anniversary or something. I mean, there's... there's Buff Bagwell can make some money for you. And, and they know that. And the fans know that. And everybody goes, why are you out there? So everybody knows it's, it's just one you know, of those things. But Vince, Vince knows what he does. Obviously, he's very a very smart man. Yeah, he owns the World Wrestling Entertainment. He <laughs> draws ratings, and he's got a great show. So, but I'm 49 now, dude. So there's no another no go at it. There's just more, more than another no go at it than when I look.
1: Well, and, and
4: I'm I, definitely giving that 100. percent
2: Yeah, and you know WWE is not necessarily the only game in town right now. I mean, you know AEW's popped up. R O H at my age, at my age, yes, yeah.
4: at my age, yes. Yeah. Because these other these other
2: boys are they're looking
4: for the young kids that but unfortunately they don't get it. And nobody knows.
2: Uh, so wait,
4: nobody I mean, knows him, bro. no Listen me. I'm in the industry and don't know him. So if I don't know him, y'all don't know him. So I, it, you know, I don't get it. I just, I don't really get it. I just you don't.
2: You But that's okay.
4: that's that's their that's their deal. That's what they do. So you're
2: so you don't you don't it doesn't have the the ring to it. AEW doesn't the names and everything attached to it. It hasn't grabbed you quite like it's grabbed a, a lot of other people.
4: I, I'm sorry, you said that's a little bit too fast. I'm sorry. Oh, that no, is, that's fine. That's, that's that fine. It's,
2: I'm just interested uh, in what you said there because it sounds like you're not as grabbed. Uh, by AEW, like others have, like it doesn't it doesn't grip you like it has other fans.
4: Oh. oh, absolutely! I'm just 49, bro. Think about this: every single star that you can name right now, that I guarantee you, the first five would be 12 years older than me. That is a long time, bud, and and, and 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 it stinks. And it's horrible, and I didn't mean for them to be 12 years older than me, and it's not my fault,
0: mm-hmm.
4: but I sure as, sure as heck paid for it. And, and it wasn't my fault, though. It wasn't my fault that I was 30, and I was going to come into the WWF at the time, and I was going to take somebody's job away. And everybody there knew it. No matter it was the lowest person or the highest, somebody's job was going to And it was just like a weather gets right not. And they do a match in Tokoa. Tacoma, to, to excuse me, Tacoma, Washington, When Atlanta, and seven days later. So right there, we knew it was a set-up thing, long story short, obviously, oh, and just, you know, oh, you set up to fail, bro. I, I, and then I got fired at Phillips Arena, bro, in my hometown. So wait. Because he just called me and said, don't kill him.
2: Wow. So wait, you're, you're, I. Fired. You're just to be clear here. You're saying that the the match between you and Booker that was the raw main event, if they'd have waited seven days, would have happened in Atlanta, and you think would have been a whole different conversation. Like that that may, that match probably would have worked do better. Do I you. think it right now?
4: I said, Do I think it right now? Go out and to the to wrestling fans or anybody that knows wrestlers. You have got automatically a much better chance of getting Booker T, especially at that time. That was when the invasion was happening, man. It was fresh. It was cool. It was happening. And here comes the invasion match. But we do it seven days earlier in Tacoma, Washington. Me and Booker are shoulder to shoulder backstage, and we got our mouths closed and our hands over our mouth are talking. And they're like, why are we need that? And he goes, I, I, I. I, said, I got no idea. I got no idea. I said, why? Why are they doing this a week before now? bro, so, Bob Bagwell and and, and Booker T, back then, it would have been off the chain of Phillips. I mean, we wouldn't get it for that. We I think we could have done a Phillips. Yeah. Because it just, it just, it really, I mean, it really, it was, it meant something, man. It was the invasion. And we did it in kept backyard. back door. Except we didn't. Hmm. We, we, we did it in Tacoma. And we got booed out of the building. And I was told, and this is the only thing I say, saying, it's not ugly. But my music's playing. And I've watched Arn Anderson walk out to booze. Scott Hudson walk out to booze. Stacey Cleaver was the announcer. She walked out to booze. And Booker T, for some reason, he was the champ, but he went before me. If I remember correctly, because I remember hearing him getting booed. And Shane, all of a sudden, my music comes on, so I'm getting ready. I'm just kind of running in place right before the curtain there, ready, ready to go. And, and he Shane just gets to my face and goes, don't look in the camera. And I went, what? what? He goes, don't. You can't look, we, we don't look in the camera here. I said, Shane, that's all I do. I said, I look in the camera, I look in the camera, and I pose. I said, That's all I do. I said, You're just you half my band away.
0: And my music's playing for the WWF main event against Booker King for the bill. Brother, just put that on your shoulders
4: for a second. It's off the chain. So I go off and out, and right now, looking up on your phone that listening. You'll see me roll down the road. Now I come out and buff. And I do the strut and the pyro and all that. But I'm dodging that camera and you can see I'm not a typical buff. I I think I just turn heal and I think I can like, talking people and stuff. But, I, but and hearing the booze too, it, it just it just it just us all out. And all they had to do was wait. Like wow. Seven days, brother. So there was definitely something. Just, and let's give it 10%. There's 10% of something that, that don't make sense. And I really want to say 90, but it's about, I mean, it's at least a percentage that it's dumber to do it a week early if you really want to succeed.
2: Man. Ah. Uh, they took away half of your gimmick. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Bro,
4: I was, my, my career is over at 30. Think about that. I'm 228, straight to the bone, in great shape, nice guy. But here's the problem. Here's how I say it: WCW knew me. WWF knew me on computer. So they believed everything, and 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 not just I won't say none of it, but ninety percent of it wasn't true. And, and so when I got, th- and, 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 but, but then again when I got there, there were my friends that were there. Yeah. So I thought they'd be, like, picking up for me a little bit. But no, brother. It was orange crossed. And then I get in a fight out of the gate with some guns, and <laughs> there I went, bro. Wow. Um,
2: I, when you talk about the, the computer version of you, are you talking about backstage gossip or are you talking about the opinion of fans?
4: Backstage gossip. Backstage, this this world gossip. Uh, hard to deal. You, you didn't see much world gossip because I was nice to everybody. But backstage gossip, hard to get along with, uh, complaints. Jealousy. My mom, when she started coming on the road with me, they even thought, from everything they were hearing, and they don't even own the computer, they thought, hey, you know, he's, he's, he's acting up, you know, obviously. So my mom gets hired to come on the road, the Dallas Page gimmick, and she realizes that her son is doing nothing wrong, brother. Mom. Nothing. So, so I'm having to cover her mouth to keep the heat off me. <laughs> so she realizes one day that her son had been doing everything right, but still, it was just it was rules at WCW, and and you got to get this line to check in the box at the end, and. You may be there on time, but we were checking that box before 12, you got five, five hundred bucks. The second time, was a grand. The third time, I think, it was fired.
2: Wait, you had to show and up I and say, physically...
4: y'all really? I said, do y'all really think us being late right is our problem?
2: Wait, time out. I've never heard that before. WCW, you literally had, like, a time card. You had to, like... Shredder show... God or not alive,
4: there was a white box the size of a half a shoebox. There was a line of... million worth of talent at any time standing in line to put a code in before a certain time so you didn't get fined off your check. And so the problem became, you know, the thing wasn't working, and then, then, hey, but we're we're here, what do we do? I mean, check us in. I mean, it it got so bad there at the end, it was just just, ridiculous. I mean, it was almost like it it was just horrible. Wow, it's
2: horrible. Never, I've never heard about the white box. Uh, I will go that's back. That's a true story. And I have it, and Lexi and Goldberg and everybody. They go to that little box and everybody checked in. Kind of, you know, that's the thing is everybody at least was doing. A, that's the one thing that tied you all. You all had the box. Um, now I yes. want to go back here real quick. Uh, about that Grizzlies game. Uh, that that there was a moment there that went kind of viral over the weekend where Jerry and Rakishi, uh, danced to Two Cool's music. Uh, just. What was that like to be there? And you know, how was Jerry that night?
4: Uh, he he, he was—he actually was very great. He was great. He was great, but at the same time, he, he was deep. You know, it was deep. He—he cheered up on the on the you know the dance. He wore—I think he wore one of Brian's vest. You know, the Grandmaster sexy thing, and one of his outfits. You know, and 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 Jerry's such a great guy. Dude, we actually we actually went out, there and got a pizza and. And I uh, stayed with him, and he just, he's just hes such a great guy, dude. He's just really super down to earth, and just one you know, of the most coolest people, wrestlers I've ever met in my life, to be totally honest with you, because not, not many of the older guys, especially the legends, like Fight like back Bagwell. And I told him it's his face, leaving his house today. I said, not many guys, that are legends like my ba- Bagwell, ba- because of whatever reasons, because so they don't know me or whatever, but... You always like me, bro. You always bring my corner. He goes, oh. he's very humble. So you can say like, well, oh, like he he just he just not like, you know nod, you know you're good you're good you're good guy man. And but just he's a just class act,
2: bro. Class act. That's awesome. Uh, well, I got to get your take too. You know we we spent a fair amount of time talking about your match with Booker T that that made main evented Raw. Booker's going into the Hall of Fame for the second time this year. Um, But this time he's going into the tag team (laughs) Harlem Heat. You know we've also talked about your your six time WCW. Listen to me, listen to me. The Harlem
4: Heat never even wrestled for the WWF. I only did it once on TV, twice totally. Stevie Ray never even did it. I love Stevie Ray, but it's got to make sense, it? I mean, they never he never they never worked as Harlem Heat at WWF. So I don't, I don't understand. Well, I, I don't get it. Well, I don't think it's, I mean, but, but it's great. I wasn't, do you realize how many times we wrestled the heart of hate? That's
2: what I, I want to hear. I worship
4: Booker T. I worship Stevie Ray. Through the starting shots, American mail, through the whole deal, brother. It was those two tag teams going at it. And me, me and Booker never missed a step. And then all of a sudden I'm fired because we had a bad match, you know, but you know, but regardless, it, it's, just, it's, it, it's just it's just it's a bad situation that you know that I want to talk about and please, as you can hear. Right. Coming down and ripping it and and hear some of this. <laughs> Yeah. It's unbelievable.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is... It really you... is,
4: but it's unbelievable. It really is. That's when I say a good story.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, that's the thing is, and, I, and you've been very generous with your time. There's hey, there's thing. I
4: got, I got video and photographs of so it to prove it. So I don't have a story... I'm sure you push like it. <laughs> that's what Bill Apter yeah. does.
2: <laughs> Bill Apter does that with his live show. I've seen his one, man. It's like a mix of his photos and video. Well, man,
4: I, I can't prove, and that's how I got mad, was the trouble Ross thing that I've apologized to him and went up and hugged him at the last time of time and just said, what's this for this guy, man? This is so stupid. But I'm down on TV and did some really ugly things uh, you know, that, that was bad, but... Um, but I, I just, he, he called me, and he lied to me, and only he knows that. And I, and even though I hugged him and to him, he he lied to, to, my, to my face in the phone that are day.
2: Are you telling me Bill after lied to I mean, you? Or, wait, who are you talking No, about? no, 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 no.
4: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, we, we're talking about Bill. Mm-hmm. But Jim, I said, man, I switched to Jim Ross, the oh, Jim Ross stuff. Mm-hmm. And we made up and, and all that, but still... He called me on that th- Wednesday and said, take the weekend out. It was uh, it was Atlanta shots, like I at home, uh, making home. So why would I get me or my mother to call and get me out of it when I just wrestled a house show in Seattle and Tacoma main event? This week, they called me, which is Jim Ross, this is the only part I can't prove, and said, Hey, hey, take the week off. And Jim has exact words. And this is what I this man. I hate it. And I hate it. I hate it for him. But he knows this when I say it. Those exact words were. Take some time and rest. because we got big plans for a young Monday." that. And I got fired. And he was like, I feel like, he didn't know what was going on. Come on, man. He's in the room. And they bow. And they try to call fired, released. Love him. I have forgiven him, still have, but that's the story. That's I can't help but tell the story. That's just how you, how I used to tell it compared to now. <laughs> you know, I mean, I love Jim. He's a great guy. We go back a long ways. We're getting older. Who cares? But that is the story.
2: Wow. Um, I I wanted to ask you when we were talking about Harlem Heat here. Um, you know, you you guys had some great matches, like you said, the American Meals, uh, American Males, Harlem Heat. I know you've worked a lot with Booker. There's this idea out there, especially with AEW right now and the Young Bucks, that tag team wrestling can be the main event, can be like the centerpiece of a pro wrestling promotion. Do, do you feel that way? And did you feel that way when you were tearing it up in the tag team division at WCW?
4: That, that's that the way that Booker and who you asked could... Be more popular here you're talking about?
2: No, I was just saying. Do you think the tag team wrestling can be like a main event? Do you think tag teams in general can be like a? a I, mean,
4: I, I, I think tag team wrestling is the best because there's more people in the ring, and if you if you get the finish down, which is five people and there's managers, seven people that have got to be on the exact same page.
1: Yeah,
4: and. If you can pull that off, which I love to do and I did and I really dug to make that happen, I always go to the guys and bug them to talk and bug them me up and talk and you know, and they you were know, they were older than me and, and more knowledgeable. But I was I was nervous and I would make sure I didn't mess it up to them, you know. And um and so I always was trying to get the guys together and all that stuff. So Yeah, you know, it just uh, y- yes. Yes, tag team wrestlers to me is the best. It should be, I think it should be the main event every time. Okay. A tag team match. <laughs> but again, the singles and the world champion, that's a big deal too. So you, you got to have that. And you got to.
2: Yeah. Uh, and lastly here, yeah, while well, I've got you, I got to ask you about the other big crazy story that I've heard since we last talked about you. And that's this thing Dave Pinzer said on a podcast about how they were going to like fake your dad. Oh, death. Lord. <laughs> Yeah fake your death.
4: And we, we, was on, we, was on, we was on a private jet and he said, what do you think about us faking your death? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, we'll do like a plane crash thing or whatever. We can do a plane crash, he said, because, you know, that could be noted." And we keep on talking about 30 years ago. Sure. You know, and um, the reason why he, he made rebuttals that said, said the man my, and I didn't tell the truth, and, and and I love I love Eric Bishop, to death, and my God, I and mean, he was one of one of my best friends, my boss, he took care of us, he was a great guy, and he had a lot of fun with been riding down parties, and I mean, just it was a dream come true, and and Eric was part of it, but but at the same time, there's a story and there's a truth, and the truth is, we I had to have me come back out of the havoc and. Come down on these tables as a ghost, and and I had to call my parents and say, "Get ready for this, because you know I don't understand, you know, the news they heard." And um, so either me and Eric were way off faces, which is possible, or I, I made up some stuff and some stuff in my head that I should go right straight to the mental health hospital. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, that's all I know.
2: Wow, that's insane. That's a big that's a big task to ask someone. Are you willing to fake your death for the for the promotion so we could do a big well, story? That, like that, that. That's what I'm
4: saying. Don't give me that, even even as, as my boss, even as my boss, he said, you know, just just think about it, think <laughs> about so, know, it, it and yeah, I, I didn't have time to think about it, and they came down and, and squashed it the the you know the the, the the suits as we call them the suits. But they came down and squashed it. And they said no. Wow. I broke my neck, and they acted like is I broke my neck and lost my first match back. Man. Triple H chose Claude, and you would have thought he saved the planet. So, I, I mean, I mean, I was paralyzed in the rest of the for 10 minutes, and, which is a lot, <laughs> But that goes to show you how great Vince is compared to, and, but Eric just didn't think, and that was the reality TV, man, so I don't blame him. He was a little bit iffy on, you know, do we go that deep, with camera up there, broke back, and, yeah. I, I said, Eric, get a camera up here right now. He's like, no, nah, man, he goes, that's karma. corner. That's bad corner, bro. So I went through all of that. There's no video of it. No, nothing except uh, the first time I came back, the guy that broke it, the big you know, and that one year angle
2: came to the night. Wow. Uh, well, Buff, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, again, Tall Tales, at Doc Holiday Saloon. Uh, you'll be there. Uh, uh, hosted by comedian Tim Gonzalez. You guys are going to be wa- raising awareness for Operation Lunchbox. Uh, it'll be this Thursday night. Anything else you want to say about the show to to plug it, promote it, put it over, anything like that?
4: Uh, uh, for me, no. I mean, if, if what I just said ain't enough, <laughs> I don't know what it is. So please come out and see me. I love, I love the fans and love to see you and hope you have a good turnout, man.
0: Hey, well, I'll say this. Um, a 15-minute call in the blink of an eye turns into a 30-minute test. Um, yeah, this- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I'm um, a No, it's, this is what happens. I mean, uh, we, we were doing radio the other day, and uh, Buff called in, and the show went an hour over. <laughs> and you just can't – like, there's no stopping point, because when, when when Buff starts getting into some of this stuff, uh, you want to know. yeah. <laughs> Uh, you don't look at the time anymore, but, so we're going to have Johnny Swinger, and then we're also going to have Ashima Franklin, who is no stranger to controversy herself. She's done
1: <laughs> Magic
0: Number 6. She's done six tours with Cat Williams, and uh, actually, um, allegedly, you know, there's some stuff on TMZ, but, you know, she she had some, uh, she had a situation with Cat, and that relationship came to an end and we oh. sold some stuff out of court. You're telling me something she, um, happened in a relationship
2: with Cat Williams? I'm shocked by that. That man is a yeah, saint. Oh my God, Buff Bagwell did something
0: wrong? No, way. But we're going to have Buff Bagwell, Johnny Swinger, Ashima Franklin, also Vinnie Bucci, who's a huge wrestling fan, commentator for a lot of indie wrestling shows. You've got a documentary coming out on Adult Swim where this guy's actually in the middle of eating a car. Um, He'll be there, so it's going to be a fun time. It's only $10 uh, just to get in and experience this night. And, again, we're raising awareness for Operation Lunchbox where we're only reaching about 33% of the hungry kids in the area. So, uh, yeah, every little bit helps come out and uh, spend a good evening with some laughs and some crazy road stories with some legends.
2: Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in today. Thank you, Michael, for joining me for the news at the top of the show. Thank you to Sam Adonis and Buff, the Stuff Bagwell. A lot of great content here today, guys. I really enjoying doing these shows. I'm telling you, we got some big plans in the works here, some of which we're going to be able to announce here pretty quickly, some of uh, the week of WrestleMania next week. I think we're going to have some cool announcements about the show. So continue right. to, to tune in. I uh, failed yet again last Thursday to do a mailbag segment, Um I will eventually get to a mailbag segment, I think, on a Thursday. So, hashtag Winkly, if you want to get on my radar. I'll check that here soon enough. Um, But if you just want to enjoy social media and also get free stuff, I would go over to Wrestling Inc.'s Twitter page right now because we have a promo code contest running with Fight for uh, their collective package. So, if you like Joey Janela's Spring Break, you like Bloodsport, uh, you like uh, Black Label Pro... Uh, you like all these, uh, the Orange Cassidy show. If you like all these big indie shows that are going on WrestleMania weekend, all, uh, 11 of the hottest indie shows, they're part of this collective package on fight.tv. It is a $99 valued package, and we are giving away one free promo code this week. It's super to do, easy to do. Just go over to our Twitter account, find the, the post that's got the contest. You got to retweet it, you got to follow us and fight on Twitter, and then you got to tell us which show you are most excited to see from the collective package, WrestleMania weekend. We're going to pick a winner this Friday, and uh, it's just a great prize.
3: It's just- Enrolled. Clicked and enrolled. It's. Well, I, I'm not eligible, am I? I'm not. I will not, not, for you guys. I will not pick
2: you. If there are people that work for the site, not eligible. If you're listening to this, you work for the site, you're not eligible. Uh, and uh, and that's about it, though, guys. We are rolling right along here to WrestleMania. Um, huge interviews. Who do I have here tomorrow? Let me check my... I've, I'm, like, backlogged on, on interviews here. Who am I Who, am I, who am I playing? Who, whose interviews am I doing tomorrow? Okay, tomorrow we have... Oh, former WWE writer Chris DeJoseph is going to be on the show tomorrow. Uh, we, formerly Big Dick Johnson, if you don't know uh, Chris DeJoseph by that name. He's a producer for Lucha Underground. And he is going to talk to us all about the process of what it's like to write WrestleMania. You guys are going to love this one. Uh, and Scott Fishman, our own Scott Fishman, sat down with Rikishi talked with him and catch up so we're gonna have both of those tomorrow as well
3: that's good interviews it's good oh, that's awesome that's good. Old fishman you got fishman
2: yeah good old scott fishman will be back old tomorrow scotty on this old scotty fishman so <laughs> that's what we call him back in the day oh uh scotty fisher of men uh i was going i actually have an idea for a podcast pitch for scott but um i don't know how ambitious he is about podcasting but i
3: would call it fishing for news is he, like, making it up? He's like, well, this could be a news story. Let me just talk about it. Oh, it's like Fox News. I'm going to go fishing for news with Scott <laughs> Fishman. I feel like that's like a uh, YouTube channel show right there. You know, just sitting out there on the pier fishing for news.
2: Hey, oh, look, oh, oh, what have I got here? Oh, a backstage gossip. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Terrible. This is what we've been reduced to now on The Winkly.
2: Uh, Bad podcast pitches. Uh, uh, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up, Michael?
3: Uh, well, speaking of bad pitches, you can always follow everything that I write. Um, at Wrestling Inc. But if you want the latest and greatest, uh, follow me on Twitter. I am at the Real Wiseman. Got a piece coming up later this week about the Kofi Kingston saga and comparing it to um, previous championship chases and bigger picture. Right, lit. Literature uh, geek here comparing it to the hero's journey. So that should be interesting, or at least I think it is because I read it. Um, And if you want to see pictures of my dogs and cats and random stuff around me, follow me on Instagram. I am at Wiseman.ma.
2: There it is, guys. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. I am Wink Rebel over on Twitter, W I N C Rebel, and uh, I will talk to you tomorrow. Remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.